stand together for the reading of the word and I want to share with you again on wisdom. I don't know about you, but I need all the wisdom I can get. We live in a nation filled with data, filled with information, facts and figures, but very little wisdom. We need a baptism of wisdom. We need the wisdom of God, not just any wisdom, but God's wisdom. And so for weeks we've been talking about wisdom and today I wanna talk to you about the wisdom of a forward focus. And I wanna read to you out of Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18. This is out of the New Living Translation. The wisdom of looking forward and not living in the past. So let's read what he says. God says, forget all that. That's talking about the past, forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Wow. Now let's look on. For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? And then he elaborates on what he's going to do. I'm going to make a pathway in the wilderness, through the wilderness. And I will create rivers in the dry Waste. I'm going to make you a road and I'm going to give you a drink and I'm going to do a new thing. So quit living in the past. The past is past because it's past. All right. Father, we just thank you for your word today. Fill us with the wisdom of God. Lord, we need wisdom so badly, not just knowledge, but wisdom to know how to use the knowledge. Lord, we need God's wisdom. You said if we lack it, we could ask for it and you would give it. And so, Lord, we ask you for wisdom today in the name of Jesus. Now, will you breathe a prayer and say, Lord, give me your wisdom and I receive it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, wise up. We need wisdom. Need the wisdom of God. <laughs> now, in the last several weeks, we've been looking at the importance of wisdom, how to apply it to our lives. Now, here's the things we've covered, just to give you a quick summation. In the last few weeks, we've looked at the wisdom of a disciplined life. Got to have it. Don't like the name discipline, but you got to have it. And God will bless you when you get discipline in your life. Then the wisdom for relationships. How crucial is that? because your relationships will make you or break you. And then the wisdom of clean living. Got to walk clean if you're going to walk with God. And then the wisdom of the Lordship of Christ. Oddly enough, a lot of Christians don't understand the Lordship of Christ. And then the wisdom of contentment. Be content with what you have today. Contentment. And then last week we looked at the wisdom of living one day at a time. And how crucial is that? That'll deliver you from the demon of worry. But now today, I want to talk about the wisdom of forward focus. Why should we be looking so much at wisdom? Why is wisdom so important? Why does the Bible tell us over and over again, get wisdom, get understanding, get knowledge? Because the Bible says wisdom will protect you, guard you. It'll make you great. It'll bring you honor. <clears throat> it says wisdom will keep you from stumbling. Wisdom will protect you from the traps and snares the enemy lays for your life. And believe me, he's always looking for a way to lay a snare and a trap in front of you 
hoping that you won't catch it, won't discern it, won't see it, and he can snare you into something that brings destruction to you. So it says wisdom will keep you, it'll guard you, it'll keep your steps, it'll keep your feet, it'll keep your eyes, keep your ears, it'll keep your heart. And it'll present you at the end of your life with a beautiful crown of glory that God will give you on that last day. So wisdom is so crucial. Get wisdom, get understanding, get it, find it, seek it, and you'll find it in your Bible. The greatest wisdom book in all the world is the all-time bestseller and always will be. Now today, we need the wisdom of having a forward focus in life, not living in our past. Now in the context of the, uh, the verses we read, Isaiah, where God says, remember not the former things, don't consider the things of old. Now he's talking to a group of people, well, all of his people, who had been taken captive into Babylon and they had been languishing in Babylon for 70 long years in slavery, in chains, taken away from their home, taken away from the promise of God, taken away from their destiny, and they have been under chastening and judgment for 70 years. And they're about to be delivered. God's about to take them back home. But there's a problem, and the problem is they can't let go of their past. So God says to them, look, I'm about to do a new thing. You're about to be delivered. I'm about to move a mountain. I'm about to bring up a valley. I'm about to create a road. And you're going home. But here's your problem. You're so focused on the past, you can't see what I'm doing now. And you're not going to be able to walk into your future unless you let go of your past. So he says, remember not the former things. Neither consider, ponder, mull over, get obsessed with, the things of old because I'm going to do a new thing shall you not know it it's going to spring forth in front of you I'm going to make a pathway in the wilderness and I'm going to give you water in the desert so he says now you've got to quit looking in the rear view mirror of your life you've got to quit looking backwards and start looking forward not only did God command his people Israel to stop living in the past but this is exactly what the apostle Paul said his goal in life was Listen to what he said in Philippians 3, verse 13. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. That is all that God has for me. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting. Everybody say forgetting. forgetting. Now say forget about it. Forget. He said, here's my focus, here's my aim, here's my faith, here's my goal. Forgetting the past and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Reaching forward so I've got to forget so that I can reach forgetting precedes reaching I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us forgetting and then reaching one precedes the other there's a message here for you and for me we've all got skeletons We've all got mistakes. We've all got good, bad, and the ugly somewhere in the past because we're all human beings. But guess what? God says, I know that, and I don't want you living life looking in the rearview mirror because there's a reason the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror. Catch that now. 
There's a reason the windshield is way bigger than the rearview mirror because a car was designed to drive forward 99% of the time, and so is life. Life is not meant to be lived looking backward, looking backward, living backward, pitching a tent, building a house in the past. Interesting where, where Paul says forgetting, in the original language it means this, to intentionally, decisively put something out of your mind. You're not just waiting for something to hit you from heaven where you, you have a divine erasure of things of the past. He said, there are some things you're going to have to make up your mind to put out of your mind. Make up of your mind to put it out of your mind. Decide you're going to put it out. You're going to quit dwelling on it. You're going to quit living there. You're going to quit making it your focus because you have control of your thoughts. Paul said in Philippians 4, 8, whatever is true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and of good report, if there's any virtue and any praise, that's what I want you to think on. This is such a meaningful message to me that I wrote a book on it called The Windshield is Bigger Than the Rearview Mirror. It's gone into two other languages. They're reading it in South Korea. The windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror to emphasize that most of our focus in life should be forward, not backward. You don't drive very far looking in the rearview mirror. If that's the way you drive, tell me so I don't get around you when you leave because you won't get very far. What's the rear view mirror for? It's for brief moments to gain perspective only so that you can keep going forward. That's what it's for. And that's what our history is for, our past. Brief moments looking back so that we can gain perspective to move forward. The Bible teaches first, we're going to have to quit living in the past. If you're going to grab what God's got, a hold, got for you and he's got something for you, I'm going to be sharing with you in a minute. If you're going to have it, if you're going to seize it, if you're going to live in it, then you're going to have to let go of your past. You're going to have to let go. Quit living there. Now, there are good and there are bad reasons why people look in that rearview mirror. Sometimes too much. But we, we look there for one of two reasons. There are good reasons. Let me share with you a few of them. Here's a big one. You should always look back and remember with joy the day of your salvation. Thank God you once were lost, but now you're found. Don't you look back on that day when the Lord knocked on the door of your heart and said, I'm real, I love you, and I want to change your life. And you said, Lord, I repent, and I give you my heart. And when you did, the power of God came upon you. The Holy Spirit came to live within you. The blood of Jesus washed away all your sin. You were dead, now you're alive. You're lost, now you're found. You were blind, but now you see. And you've got a purpose and a destiny. And you are heaven-bound instead of hell-bound. And you are saved and not lost. Thank God for the day that salvation came to our life. You ought to look back on that. And if everything in your life is going bad, look at that and say, well, it may not be going the way I want it to in my day-to-day -day life, but thank God I'm washed in the blood of the Lamb. I'm filled with the Spirit of God, and Jesus is the Lord of my life. 
David said, I will give you thanks, for you answered me. You have become my salvation. David said, thank you, Lord, and I'm never going to forget it. We should look in the rearview mirror and remember the times that God's power was manifested on our behalf. We ought to build a memorial right there. We ought to return to it like the children of Israel did. They were instructed by God to erect memorial stones at the sites where God's power had been manifested for their deliverance. And they would build these, these, these stone monuments and they would take their children to them and their grandchildren to them and they would return to them and they would say it was right here X number of years ago that the power of God moved on my life. He moved to deliver us. He brought us out of Egypt. He parted the Red Sea. He brought us into the promised land. He gave us water out of a rock. He led us cloud by day, fire by night. He never let us down. Our shoes never wore out. Our clothes never wore out. He kept us. He guided us. He took us to the land flowing with milk and honey. We brought down the giants. We took the cities by the power of God. The walls came crashing down. God did all kinds of things. He said, I want you to remember that. Because when you look back on what God did then, here's what you do. You say, he did it then, he can do it now. He did it then, he can do it again. If he set me free then, he can set me free now. If he broke that chain then, he can break this chain now. If he gave me joy in the middle of a storm then, he's going to give me joy in the middle of a storm now. David looked at that great big giant Goliath and said, guess what, I've got a history with God. And he said, I'm remembering back when a lion attacked the flock and I grabbed him by his beard and took him down with my bare hands, anointed with the power of God. And then I remember a bear did the same thing. And the anointing of God came upon me. I grabbed that bear by the chin, took him down, killed him with my bare hands. He said, dude, you're going to be just like them. Power. And of course, that's the revised Wickwire slanted version. But see, he had these memories. He looked back on his history with God and what God did back there built his faith for now. We should do that. For most of us, there are fond memories of friendships and fun times and achievements and defining moments where God broke through on our life and did a miracle and it was a life-changing event and there was the fork in the road and we took the right one and, and, and because of that we've been blessed. You need to always look back. These are our own personal history lessons and that's not what Paul was saying when he said forgetting. He was saying don't live in the past to the exclusion of now or your future. In other words, you haven't seen your greatest day yet. Don't live in the past where God can't take you further down the road. Don't build a house there. Don't live there. Don't live looking in the rearview mirror saying that's the best there ever will be. There are not so good reasons for looking in that rearview mirror. Let me give you a few. Some of us look back with a sigh. <sighs> and here's what we say. Life's never going to be as good as it was then. In other words, we got a bad case of the those were the days. 
My friend, we thought they'd never end. And what we do is we glorify and we almost deify sometime in the past, some season, where we say, that was so good, so rich, so powerful, that relationship, that move of God, that church, that job, whatever, those were the days. And what you're really saying is, because those days were so good, I've seen my best days. And that's not true. Do you know the Bible commands, quote, Do not say, why were the former days better than these? For it's not wise to ask that question. Why isn't it wise to ask that question? Because when you do, you're shortchanging the God who says, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. Get this, I love this. Why? Because it's nothing compared to what I'm about to do. Man, I like that. Uh, you know these kind of people. I've been around them. You've been around them. Some of you are in here. Some of them are in here right now, and I'm about to deliver them. There are people who can tell you what went on in their lives 50 years ago, in their churches 50 years ago, how God moved and this and that and the other, but they can't tell you anything about what God is doing right now. You know why? Because they're looking in the rearview mirror. Those were the days, and they're playing a violin, and they have built their house in the past, and they are telling God it's never going to be any better than this. But God gave me a word today, and here's the word that he gave me. You haven't seen anything yet. You haven't seen anything yet. Now you notice that was a very tentative clap. Because some of you don't believe that. But I'm telling you, let God be true and every man a liar. Listen to it again. Don't shortchange God. Don't shortchange the mighty God who always does wondrous things. He says, I want you to forget those former things. Don't dwell on it. Don't live there. Don't focus on it. Don't live in the rearview mirror because back there is nothing compared to what I'm going to do now. Another reason we look back too much is out of a hurt or a pain that's never been healed. And because we got hurt back there, betrayed, heartbroken, we look back and, and we've never gotten over it. We, we've never been able to pull away from it. We wake up every day with a sorrow in our heart. We wake up every day looking back going, if only that hadn't happened. If only he hadn't done that or she hadn't done that or I hadn't done that. We live back there. And we say, if only for this and that, then I could have joy or then I could move on, but I, but I can't, I'm hurting. Or we may have done something, the guilt of which haunts us to this day. Made a bad decision. There's a skeleton in the closet, and it rattles, and it talks to us. And we say, well, you know, if I hadn't done that, then I would have a future. But listen, that's where Israel was when God gave them this word. They were literally doing this. If only we hadn't sinned to the point that God had to send us into this captivity. But we did it to ourselves. And they were, they were playing a violin and they would wake up and they were in chains and they were slaves. 
a strange people with a strange land who one day said to Israel, come on, sing us one of the songs of Zion. And they said, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? In other words, our song is gone. We don't have a song in our heart. They were waking up every day regretting it. And God spoke to them. He said, look, we got a problem here because I'm about to do a new thing in your life. You thought it was over, but it wasn't. Because I know the thoughts I'm thinking towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. I didn't give up on you, and I'm not done with you. I'm not finished with you. And they just couldn't seem to get it from here to here. And God said, I'm telling you, quit looking back there. Don't remember the things of old. Don't ponder and mull over them all the time because you're going to miss what I'm about to do. You're going to miss what I'm about to do. And I don't want you to miss it. They were so focused on the failures that had brought them into captivity, they couldn't look forward to the deliverance that was already springing up around them. So God says, if you made a mistake, it's not bigger than the blood. Man. If you made a mistake, it's not greater than the blood. Are you telling God that your sin is greater than the blood on the cross? No, the blood on the cross washes away our sin. Thank God for the blood. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Or another thing that holds you back, looking in the rearview mirror, it's a big one. We're holding a grudge, and we're held by the chains of bitterness. We haven't forgiven our offenders. There was something back there that he did, she did, they did, and they really did wrong you. And you've got a grudge. You're holding a grudge, carting a grudge around. And it may have been years since it happened, but every day you still wake up, and if their name comes up, Something rises up in you, and you know that you've still got a grudge against them. You've never let go of it. Can I tell you, nobody is worth that. God doesn't want you always hitting the replay button and going back to that event, back to that time, back to what they said, back to what they did over and over and over. There's a continual loop in your head, and that event, that time, what they did is looping around, and you can't let go. Ann Landers wrote, hanging on to resentment is letting somebody you despise live rent-free in your head. My word to you today is evict them. Give them their walking papers because they're not worth your walk with God. They're not worth your future. They're not worth what is coming down the road towards you from the mercy and the grace and the love and the creativity of God. And here's the last one. There are those that have never gotten over a lost love. They have idealized a former relationship to the point that nobody else can measure up. You're always measuring somebody else up against them. But don't you remember when you were with them, you fought all the time? You had disagreements. It wasn't as perfect as you've made it up to be. Isn't it funny? We idealize a past that when we were there, we weren't happy then. But now that we're out of it, we idealize it. God says, don't do that. Don't sell me short. You don't understand. I'm for you. I, I'm working on your behalf. I'm about to do a new thing. 
All these examples of what keeps people in the past. They're just like Lot's wife, who was instantly frozen in time when she looked back longingly at Sodom in disobedience to God. While looking back at what had been her life for years, she was frozen with head turned around behind her and eyes looking longingly at what had been. She was frozen looking back. Like that. Say that way. Salt. And there are people that walk in here, but in the inside and their soul, they're looking back. Then, and they're stuck there, stuck in the past through hurt, through trauma, through unforgiveness, through some idealized season. They're unable to move forward into the new thing that God has. Listen, remember that movie, Back to the Future? That's not true. Because you can't go backward into your future. Forgetting your past releases your future. Letting go, let go, let it go, let it go. Let them go, let it go. Lighten up. You need to get a good old, uh, you need to get a goodbye anointing. Amen. A lot of people have a hello anointing. How about a goodbye anointing? Goodbye. If you're not going to stick around with me, then you're not a part of my destiny. Goodbye. Past, you can't help my present. Goodbye. All those memories. Goodbye. I've got a goodbye anointing. It's growing on me. If it's of those were the days, hang up you're struggling with, trust God for a new day. If it's bitterness, forgive. If it's lost love, delight yourself in Jesus. He's your real soulmate anyway. If it's guilt, take it to the cross and let it go and say goodbye. But don't linger in a past that's gone and done. It can't help you. The past is the past because it's past. There's nothing you can do about it. But forget it. And after forgetting, you can do some reaching. Reaching forward. Reaching forward. Everybody say that with me. Reaching forward to what lies ahead. I love words. This word reaching from the Hebrew language means this, literally. To stretch forward. Like if I had a bundle of a million dollars hang down off the ceiling right here. I said, if you can stretch and reach it, you can have it. Well, we'd have some stretching going on in here. Wouldn't we? We'd have some people that stretched their joints out of place. We'd have some hurt people stretching to get it. Stretch. God is saying, what I've got for you is that good. <laughs> the future God has for us is so good it makes you want to stretch forward with all of your might. Paul said, there's not anything, not anybody, not any place, nothing that's going to keep me from stretching and reaching to grab and seize and make my own 
what God has for me. Forget all that past, Isaiah said. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Woo! Listen closely to what God says He's going to do when you trust your future to Him, when you let go. You let go. He says, I'm about to do something new. Not just something, not just anything, but a new thing. Now that gets me excited because our God is a creative God. Oh, He's infinitely creative, and He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Look at the creativity in nature. Look at the creativity among the birds, the mammals, the fishes of the sea, marine. Look at, look at all of the incredible, stunning, amazing, beautiful, stupendous creativity of God. And then stop and think. He said, I'm going to create something new for you. That means you're in for a surprise. Something fresh, something exciting something exhilarating, something beyond the same old, same old. I'm going to do something new. Behold, I will do not just a thing, but a new thing. To who? Those who quit looking behind and start looking forward and believe that God is a good God, believe that God is a creative God, believe that God is a loving God, believe that God is a God of His promises. And he delights in the Bible promises that he only does things that are wondrous. God is a God of new things. In Isaiah 65, in another place, he said, Behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. And then in Lamentations, he says, His mercies are new every morning. That means when you wake up every day, you've got something new waiting for you from God. I mean, we need to wake up and smell the flowers here. He's got a new mercy for you. He's got a new blessing for you. Every day, He's looking to do something new in your life. His mercies, His compassions fail not. They are new every single morning. As Israel gathered the manna every morning and it was fresh and new, God says, I want you to gather my mercies every morning. They are fresh and new. Jeremiah prophesied that God would make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Paul declared that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and all has become new. John saw that in eternity we're going to sing an old song. Is that what it says? It says no. It says we're going to sing a new song. And at the end of time, says John, he who sat on the throne will say this, Behold, I make everything new. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now next, Isaiah says, taps him on the shoulder and says, you need to realize it's already begun. But they didn't know it. You know why? Adjusting that rearview mirror. They could not tell if they had just pulled away from the rearview mirror that all around them new grass was coming up out of the ground New flowers were blooming. There were new horizons, new hills, new opportunities, new anointings, new this, new that. It was already beginning, but they couldn't see it because they're, mm, if only, oh, way back then, those were the days. He said, don't you see it? In other words, open your eyes. If you could stop looking back long enough to look around, you'd see I'm already at work on your behalf. 
Let go of the rearview mirror. Look through the windshield of God's promises. Look ahead of you at what's coming your way. A new thing is coming your way. Church, <clears throat> there is a prophetic edge to this message today. I want you to get this. I'm not just preaching a message, a sermon. I'm telling you that if some of you will let go and turn that rearview mirror away and start looking through the windshield of God's promises, there's a new thing headed your way from the creativity and the love and the compassion and the mercy of God. He has not left you. He has not forsaken you. He has not walked out on you. He has not betrayed you. He is not silent to your pain. He's going to do a new thing. Listen, he always checkmates everything the devil attempts against you. Israel had been in a dry, discouraging, and demoralizing wilderness. And here's what God says to them. Here's the new thing I'm going to do. I'm going to build a road for you out of your wilderness. They've been away from home for 70 years. It looked to the natural eye like it looks to some of you right now. There's no way out of my wilderness. I don't see any way out of what I'm in. I made this mistake, I did this wrong, I went that direction, or this circumstance happened to me. There's no way out. Now listen, God is saying, I'm about to send in heaven's heavy equipment. And you're in a wilderness. You've been in a dry, maybe even demoralizing place. It's been difficult. It's been hard. But God says, never give up until you've given God a chance to have his say. Because God's going to have his say. Who do you think has the last word in your life as a child of God? The devil? Wake up, sir. Wake up, ma'am. God will have the last word over your life and over what happens to you. So, you know, I, I like to cycle. I cycle all the time, and I go down these bike trails where uh, there's all kinds of woods and thickets and bushes and rocks and boulders and crevices, and, 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 and I've noticed there's a couple of places that I pass all the time where they decided to build a road. So they sent in the heavy equipment, huge bulldozers, these giant tractors. And what do they do? They just push it all away. They just push down trees. They, they fill in valleys. They, they push all of the obstacles out of the way. And then they pour a road. And where there used to be unnavigatable wilderness, now there is a road because of the heavy equipment. You think there's no hope for you. I got a word for you today. God is sending the heavy equipment. He's going to push the mountains down. He's going to push the boulders out of the way. He's going to make a way where there is no way. He's your way maker. He's not going to leave you where you are. That's what my God does. He is not an impotent grandfather with a beard sitting up in heaven saying, what are we going to do? No, he's the mighty Jehovah God, and he has all power in all the earth. When he decides to set you free, he makes a road. So God says, here's what I'm going to do for you, Israel. I'm going to make you a way where there was no way. I'm going to open up a way for you to cross the desert of depression and the desert of discouragement. And I'm going to bring you out on the other side. You're going home. And then he said, on the way, I'm going to be sure you have a drink, a drink of the living waters. I'm going to make a river in the middle of your desert. Well, I've been in deserts, 
And one thing you don't find in desert is any rivers. There's not a creek. There's not a brook. There's not a trickle. Any water is in the cactus, and you can't get to it. But he says, I'm going to make a river where there's no river. And when God talks about a river in the Bible, he's talking about the flowing Holy Spirit of life. He's talking about the bubbling up of the rivers of life where you can drink and drink and drink no matter how dry it is around you. You are satisfied because the psalmist said there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The river is the Holy Spirit. And God's about to open up a new river in the lives of his people. No matter how bad it gets in America, how dark, how dismal. Listen, we're in this country but on the inside, we're in another country. And it is the kingdom of God. And what is the kingdom of God? It is righteousness, and it is peace, and it is joy in the Holy Ghost. So he says, I'm going to do a new thing if you'll let go of the rearview mirror. When God says to his children he'll do a new thing, it means you're, you're moving to a new level of freedom you've never known before. It also means that he's about to surprise your enemies beyond recovery. The devil thinks he's got you. He's about to find out he didn't have you at all. The Lord is starting a new thing in your life, a new thing in your family, a new thing in your business, a new thing in your ministry. Are you ready for it? So let go of the rearview mirror because here it comes. Look through that windshield. A new thing. Blessing. Anointing. Freedom. Opportunity. Promotion. Surprises. <laughs> I'm about to have a benefit up here. You know what a benefit is? People have anger fits. People have fear fits. People have worry fits. I have benefits. <laughs> benefits. And I'm about to have one right now because I know that this is what the Scriptures say. So here's the sad thing. Only a minority of the captive people believe that word and return home. The rest of them stayed in the past. The ones that went home built the wall, built the temple, planted new vineyards, grabbed hold of what God had for them, defeated their enemies, and rebuilt the city. Their destiny. You going to stay or are you going to go? I'm going to ask you to stand with me today, would you? Hmm? Yeah. One thing, uh, we have some friends in East Texas. I'll close with this. Some friends in East Texas um, had a dog named Honey. Honey was a retriever, and Honey's joy was to chase a Frisbee. Well, I love dogs, and I'd get out there with a big Frisbee and throw it to Honey. She was a master. I can put it out there. She would 
No matter how hard I threw it, she'd chase it down, beautifully leap in the air, grab it in midair, come back looking at me like, is that the best you got? <laughs> and so one day I had an idea because she would really, she was, she was beating me every time. So I said, here's what I'm going to do. I threw her the Frisbee. She goes, snatches it in midair, grace in motion, turns around, is walking back, and I threw another one. If a dog can go cross-eyed, she did. She looked here, she looked there. What was in her mouth? What was out there? She had a decision. Am I going to leave the old and grab the new, or am I sticking with the old? She had more sense than a lot of believers. You know what she did? Poof! And she ran and got the new. <laughs> Sometimes, you, you, really, you got to poof. Poof. Because it's old, it's seen its day. I'm not talking about your spouse. Don't go out of here and say I said that. I always have to say that, don't I? But I'm talking about those things you're hanging on to that are old. And there's a new thing coming your way. You got to poof and grab the new. God's a God of new things. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I pray that you will help us to let go of any person, any place, anything that has held us in the past and glued our eyes to the rearview mirror. We're going to let it go. We must let it go. So, Lord, we do today. Now, I want you to take a minute, church. If there's anything in your life you're hanging on to, it can be a precious memory, something that just keeps you pining for the past. Can you let it go? place in the nail-scarred hands of Jesus right now. We're going to sing I Surrender All, just one stanza. I want you to do it as we sing.